your life. Amen. Individualism. It is as about American as apple pie, baseball, motherhood, and anything else you could think of that's red, white, and blue. For Americans, anything that stands between us and thinking for ourselves, acting for ourselves, judging for ourselves, doing for ourselves, it just seems a violation of our basic human rights. Anything that would keep us from deciding what's right, what's true. If I feel like it's true, it is. If I feel like it's right, it's right. Nobody's going to tell me what I do, what I think, what I say. It's sacrilegious to think of anything but individualism. Now, the scriptures do teach individual responsibility. They, they do. But it's helpful for us to remember that while individualism has its roots deep in our nation's history, it also, I'm sad to report, has its roots deep in our fallen, sinful human nature. There is part of every one of us that wants to just, to quote Frank Sinatra, do it my way. I'm astounded at the number of people who have said to me, you know, at my funeral, I want to sing, I did it my way. That's about the worst testimony you could ever have to your life. I did it my way. But it's so American. And in turn, what happens is we as a nation have ended up being overly individualistic so that many Americans live isolated, independent, self-contained, unconnected lives. Today we're going to see the one we love and follow, our Savior, Jesus Christ, do things very, very differently. And what we see in him is a far cry from the extreme individualism that is so common in our culture today. This morning we're continuing our message series on places in the heart, places Jesus wants to take you to as you follow him. Thus far, we've been to the manger, the carpenter shop, and the wilderness. Today, we're going to follow Jesus to the synagogue. And what is this place in the heart called the synagogue? Well, if you take out your message notes from your worship folder, get a pencil or pen, you can write down on those notes, what is this place called the synagogue? It is the place... Write this down, of coming together consistently with the people of God. That's where Jesus wants you to follow him to. The place in your life of coming together consistently with the people of God. We read about this place in the heart by picking up where we left off last week in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was in the wilderness. So if you would take your Bibles now and turn to Luke chapter 4. Today we're going to look at verses 14 or 16 to 21. 
So I'll give you a moment to find that in your scriptures or on your electronic devices. Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21. Follow along now as I read this scripture. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, cap for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, in this scripture we just read, we see Jesus do something. Look again in your Bible at verse 16, which says, He went to Nazareth, where he was brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. On the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day, Jesus went to the synagogue. Now, the word synagogue actually comes from the Greek word synagen, which means to come together, to draw together, to gather. The synagogue was the place where the people of God came together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They gathered to hear God's word together. They gathered to share their lives together. It was the coming together place. So right here, we see Jesus swimming against the tide of rugged individualism and coming together consistently with the people of God. That's the fourth place in the heart where Jesus wants to take you to. Now, why was Jesus so committed to this priority of coming together consistently with the people of God? Here's why. Because Jesus knew the dangers of rampant, extreme individualism. Let me give you three disastrous consequences of the extreme individualism we see in some places in America today. You can write these on your notes. Number one, individualism is leading to the fragmentation of our society. The fragmentation of our society. Hey, raise your hand if you ever saw the movie Crocodile Dundee. Some of you see that movie? Those of you that saw that movie, you'll it's, a, it's a movie about a guy who spent his whole life in the Australian outback. He's the lead character in the movie. So he shows up in New York City. And as he's driving through New York City, looking around at everything for the first time, he says these words. I'll never forget it. Hey, seven million people live here? It must be a real friendly place then. You know, he's assuming that just because there are so many people concentrated together in one place that it must be extremely friendly. Well, he found out in short order just how fragmented our society 
has become, and it's gotten even worse since then. Secondly, rampant individualism is not only leading to the fragmentation of our society, it's also leading to the compartmentalization of our lives. Write that down, the compartmentalization of our lives. By the way, spell compartmentalization correctly this morning and you win a free prize. <laughs> it's harder than you think. <laughs> now, uh, what happens because of extreme individualism is this, that many people, instead of sharing the whole of their lives with other people, just start to share individual compartments of their lives with people. And in turn, what happens is that their ethics, their behaviors, their values start to change as they move from one compartment to another, depending on whatever they want out of a setting. What's happening is that many Americans are becoming moral chameleons in this world today. And it's a result of rampant individualism, fragmentation of our society, compartmentalization of our life. And here's the third danger of individualism. It's privatization of our faith. Extreme individualism can lead to privatization of our faith. You know, in some sectors of society, even in the Christian church, it can sound very pious to say these words, you know, religion is a private thing. It's a personal thing. But in reality, privatized Christianity is no Christianity at all. We were designed by God. I mean, you were created by him and then recreated in Christ so that we could share together so that we could seek God together, so that we could support one another together, so that we could sort out right from wrong together, so that we could share with lost people together. The tragic result of individualism gone rampant leading to privatized Christianity is a weakened, anemic Christianity that is not transforming the world, but is actually being transformed by the world. Jesus never made you to live a fragmented, compartmentalized life. Knowing the dangers of individualism, Luke 14, 16 says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And I want you to notice something else. Jesus Christ was committed to the priority of coming together because he knew not only the dangers of extreme individualism, he also knew the benefits of coming together with the people of God. And right here in this account in the Gospel of Luke, Luke, we see three great benefits to coming together with one another in the community of Christ followers, the church of Jesus. Write these on your notes. First of all, when we are committed to come together 
regularly and consistently, the word of God directs us. The word of God directs us. Look at the next verse in your Bible, Luke 4, 17, which says about Jesus, and he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. You see, in the synagogue, the books of the Old Testament were written on scrolls, and they were kept in a special place. And whenever the people of God gathered together, these scrolls would be handed to someone in the synagogue, and they would read aloud these scrolls. So that whenever the people of God gathered together in the synagogue, they gathered together to be directed by the word of God. They gathered around the word. And this is precisely why we have a very strong commitment here at Mission Liberty Hill to gather, whenever we gather, to gather around the word of God. This is precisely why we have a commitment to bring our Bibles with us to church on Sunday morning because we're going to gather around the word of God. It astounds me to see the number of churches where people come and they don't even bring their Bible with them. Why? Because they know they don't need to use it. The church is not genuinely gathering around the word of God. We, we don't want to be that kind of church at Mission Liberty Hill. You know, I remember in the church that I pastored in Palm Springs where I was uh, uh, living in Palm Springs, there was a Jewish temple there in town. And uh, you know what all the people called the Jewish temple? The club. All these Jewish men, you know, they'd sit downtown. I'd hang out with them sometime, visit with them. And they say, well, okay, we're headed over to the club. What they were saying is we're going to the temple. At least they were honest about it. And I got to say, in more than a few churches today, if Christians were really honest, they'd say, we're going over to the club. When we are the church of Jesus Christ and we are meant to be gathering together around the world. This is why I really encourage folks when when they have a meeting here at our church, whether it's a business meeting or a planning meeting or a social activity, that whoever has leadership responsibility for that meeting, you ought to just bring the scroll of the word of God with you. And at the start of the meeting, just open up and share just a timely word from God that he's shown you. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a sermon. Just a scripture and an opening prayer. We gather together around the word of God. It's one of the great blessings of coming together consistently in the church of Jesus Christ. The word of God directs us. Secondly, when we have a commitment to come together regularly and consistently, not only does the word of God direct us, our deepest needs are then met. Our deepest needs are met. The passage that Jesus selected to read there in the synagogue from the prophecy of Isaiah, did you notice what that passage of scripture talked about? It talked about the ministry of Jesus and how he would meet every need. Look in your Bible at verses 18 and 19. Jesus read this scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
You see, when you gather together in the community of Christ followers, in the church of Jesus Christ, notice the things that Jesus can and will do for you as you do that. He will proclaim good news to you. He will go about the work of freeing you from the things that bind you up. He will give sight and insight to you. He will release those places in your life where you've been oppressed, and he will grant you rich favor. He will affirm to you the unconditional love and grace of God for you through the saving work of Jesus upon the cross when he carried your sins so that you could be forgiven and free by faith in him. All of us, yourself included, you have needs, deep needs, that are aching to be met. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill those deepest needs. But remember, he always works through the word of God and the people of God to meet those needs. Don't try to have them met by going solo. Your needs won't be taken care of. And here's the third benefit of coming together consistently with the people of God. The word of God directs you. Your deepest needs will be met. And God's purpose for your life will be fulfilled. God's purpose for your life will be fulfilled. Look at the next verses in your Bible. Verses 20 and 21. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus so chose to say this in the community of believers, community of God's people, because he knows, listen to this, the purpose that God has for your life, and he does have a divine purpose for your life. That purpose can only be fulfilled when you have the support of the word of God and the support of the people of God found in the church of God. This is what God wants for you, to commit yourself to the priority of coming together consistently in the community of Jesus Christ, where you will experience these three great blessings. The word of God will direct you, your deepest needs will be met, and God's purpose for your life will be fulfilled. Which leads to one final question I want to ask and answer today. What does it mean to come together with the people of God? Well, first of all, it means, write this on your notes, that you are committed to worship weekly in community. To worship weekly in community with other believers. Today's scripture makes that very clear. Christ, who you want to talk about if anyone had a right to say, hey, I can handle life on my own. It was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. But even Jesus Christ was committed to worship weekly in the community of believers. It was his custom to come together with the people of God on the Lord's day. And he wants you to make that your consistent custom too. 
we need to remember what the scripture says. The scripture says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It does not say, remember every other Sabbath day or remember your Sabbath day once a month. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Come together with the people of God consistently. To come together means to worship weekly in community. Secondly, to come together with the people of God means not only to worship weekly in community, it means to team together with regularity. Team together with regularity. You know, in our increasingly individualized society, we need the protection, the compassion, the care that comes from getting together regularly with a smaller team of people who really know us as we are. Know us well so that they can genuinely love us and support us so that we don't get lost in the cracks. That smaller team of people might be a ministry team that serves together regularly. It might be a small group Bible study that meets together in a home and just studies the word of God with one another. It may be a fellowship group that just gets together to play and, and eat together. These are wonderful places to come together in the community of Christ following. Okay, think about this for a moment. Every successful army has not just divisions or brigades or companies. Every successful army has what? Platoons. And you need a platoon to be a part of. To come together with the people of God means to worship weekly in community, to team together with regularity. And finally, it means to be committed to unity, committed to unity. You know, I rejoice in the commitment that I see in people here at Mission Liberty Hill to really cultivate this kind of Christ-given unity. I see you sometimes bending over backwards to make sure that we make every effort to keep the unity of the, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Christ honors that. And you know, the fact is that the more each one of us is united to Jesus, the more we'll be united to one another. The closer we are to Christ personally, the closer we'll be to one another. It's like a hundred pianos. If each one of those pianos are individually tuned to a tuning fork, one tuning fork, they'll all be in tune with each other. And the more we are in tune with Jesus, the more we'll be in tune with one another. That's what it means to follow Jesus to this place of the heart called the place of coming together consistently with the people of God. It means to worship weekly in community, to team together with regularity, and to be committed to unity. I want to close by reading to you a story of something that happened years ago at the beginning of a Sunday morning service at St. Bartholomew's Episcopal Church on Fifth Avenue in that really friendly city called New York City. Here's what happened. 
a man wearing a large hat sat down in the front row. An usher moved up to the man, leaned in, and discreetly asked him to remove his hat. The man replied that he would not. Then the head usher was summoned and made the same request and received the same answer. About that time, the president of the congregation arrived and was asked to assist. He had the same dismal result. Finally, two minutes remained before the opening hymn. The senior pastor of the church was summoned. He tiptoed up beside the man and tried to grab the hat, but the man nimbly dodged the grab, and there was no time for further attempts. As the opening hymn began, the man stood to sing it, and he removed his hat and didn't put it on again. So at the conclusion of the service, the four frustrated people waited for the man at the rear of the church. The senior pastor approached him and said, Sir, about that hat, perhaps you don't understand, but in the Episcopal Church, we do not wear hats in worship. The man replied, Oh, I do understand. I've been an Episcopalian my whole life. As a matter of fact, I've been coming to this church regularly for three years, and I've never met a soul. But this morning, I met an usher, the head usher, the president of the church, and the senior pastor. <laughs> Well, that's one way to break out of privatized, compartmentalized Christianity. But today, you've seen a better way. It's to follow Jesus to that place in the heart that he wants to take you to, that place of committing yourself to the priority of consistently coming together with the people of God. It was Christ's custom as one who follows him Make it your custom, too. Let's stand for prayer.